Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Welcome to the Chronicles of Nannia, a nanny resource podcast made for nannies by me, a nanny. This is your host, Martha Tyler. And this week, we are going to be talking about emergency helpers. And to do that, I have brought on Bridget Murphy. Hello, Bridget. Hi, Martha. It's great to be here. I am so excited to have you. Um, Bridget actually posted a about this on one of the nanny groups and I read the story and was just like that is such a good idea and we'll we'll get into more about uh what the idea is but I I was so pleased to to find you and uh your story on one of the nanny groups Thank you so much for saying that. It was it was so sweet when you reached out to me because I truly I try to put a lot of thought into what I do but I mean, as nannies outside of the families that we work for, I feel like a lot of the effort that we put in often goes just kind of unnoticed by people other than, you know, just the kids and the families that we work for. So it was really sweet to see, see you as well as some other nannies just excited about something that I, I take a lot of pride in. So that meant a lot to me. Oh, well, good. And yes, we talk all the time on the podcast about how nannying can be such an isolating career because it is just you and the families most of your day. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. And so, yes, the, those nanny groups and nanny friendships and, and this podcast, I mean, honestly, I started it because I was feeling somewhat isolated and, and I've gotten to meet so many wonderful and inspirational caregivers through doing right. this. It's so. a wonderful resource to have. Yeah. Thanks. Well, Bridget, before we get started talking about emergency helpers, uh, let's talk through your nanny journey. I think nanny journeys are so fascinating and I would love to hear yours. Sure. Yeah. It's actually how I wound up with this family in particular is pretty interesting. Um, So I started in childcare actually, gosh, 11 years ago um, when I was still in high school, I was really fortunate that I went to a school with um, a vocational school where they taught education as one of their courses. Wow. So I did that for two years um, and graduated with um, several early childhood education college credits, like right off the bat, ready to go. Um, and I jumped right into preschool education, elementary education, special education, kind of bounced around at different schools and actually even different states. I moved around for a while um, and ended up coming back home 
to my home state of New Hampshire when I was uh, 20 and I worked at a daycare for a few years. Um, and a family friend offered me the opportunity to come nanny for her son, who was an infant at the time. She was pregnant when she hired me. And then I left my, my full-time position at the daycare to become her full-time nanny, but it was, um, it was a far commute. It's hard working for family friends. And I was kind of trying to like decide what I wanted to do, but there was, you know, there's tons of other families that I sort of babysat for here and there and, you know, hung out with and who I knew from, from the neighborhood, but also from my time at the daycare where I worked. And one, one day I was, I was actually at my old nanny position and I was holding this sweet little baby who I loved so much. And that's why it was so hard to decide what to do because I wasn't happy, but you love the kids so much. Right. And he was asleep on me and I was kind of whispering to him and just saying like, oh, I wish that I knew what to do. And as I was whispering that to him, um, I got a text from my current mom boss saying, do you know anybody who might be looking for a nanny position? We know that you're, you're booked, but do you know anybody else? And I was like, actually, I might know me. Let me recommend me. And she, so my oldest is seven now, but I had him in the infant room at my oh old my daycare. Gosh. So I've known him since he was a baby, even though I've been with them full-time for almost four years. And I remember when she was pregnant with my youngest, um, so it's, it's been a really, really special relationship with them in particular. They're a wonderful family to work for. And um, ever since then, I mean, it's been smooth sailing the last four years, hanging out with these guys every day. Yes. I love that so much. And that is, that's so true about, um, I don't know. I, I, I feel like in my nanny journey, like just kind of opening my heart to what the next step will be. Yes. I'm in that phase right now. Yeah. It's often, it's, it's a scary place to be, but it's worked out for me every time. Yeah, it, it does. It's, it's funny how it seems to go like that. And I think it helps too, when you care a lot about your job and you put a lot into what you do, families recommend you to other families and, you know, people of the same feather flock together or birds of the same feather flock together. So I feel like I now have connections with a lot of other wonderful families because of my wonderful nanny family that I've been with for so long. Um, yes. And I do like group date nights for so many of them. So now, unfortunately, I call them Noodle and Doodle when I talk about them in public. Those are not my nanny kids' real names. But um, <laughs> Noodle is a seven-year-old boy and Doodle is a five-year-old girl. Um, we call them Doodle Bugs as like their little nicknames. So that's sort of where that came from. That's um, so funny. That that was actually one of uh, my nicknames growing up because I, really? I that's had, so cute. Yeah, I had curly hair, and so my um, my parents would say doodle because it looked like somebody doodled my hair on. Oh, that's cute. Yeah. So I um I picked it actually in the nanny group where you found the post that you were discussing, just because saying you know G five and B seven felt a little impersonal to me about these kids that I love so much and spend so much time with. I mean, they were just in my wedding last month. Oh, so yeah. it felt, it felt unusual to me to discuss them that way. So I ended up just giving them those nicknames and noodle is a very wiggly little boy and doodle is a very artsy little girl. So it just I kind of works it. with who they are. That's so great. Well, thank you for sharing your journey. I, I always love them and, and yours is, is wonderful as well. And, and such a good reminder to, yeah, just be open. And I also love when parents text you, like, do you know anyone like this? And you're like secretly looking for a job and you're like, oh my gosh. Yes. Exactly. Yeah. I I just wasn't sure what I wanted to do or what, what the right decision was. And it felt, 
it just felt like the perfect nudge that I really needed. Yes. Yes. And now doodle is, she starts kindergarten next year. So it's crazy, but I'm, you know, looking for my, my next family now starting to start that hunt. And I'm sure that something else crazy and perfect will come up the same way. I bet so. I bet so. Well, wonderful. Well, so let's talk about emergency helpers and yes. and helping children understand how to how to be helpers in an emergency. So what do you consider an emergency helper? So for me, an emergency helper, it can be a lot of different things depending on the situation because that's what's for me, that was what seemed hardest about teaching kids to be prepared um, was that there's so many different things that could happen and so many different things we might need to ask of them. And it can be scary as a child to not know what's going on. And I usually have a rule with my nanny kids that they can ask me absolutely anything and I will do my very best to explain it to them and take the time to like sit down and hash through it. But if something drastic happens and there is an emergency, we don't always have the time to have those conversations. Right. So the emergency helper thing started because we were doing fire drills, which has always been important to me. And they had all these questions and I was like, guys, okay, but if the house was on fire, like we would not be have time to be sitting around talking about this. Right. And so we made a rule that if I say our secret code word, emergency helpers, then they, they know that something is going on and they can ask questions when the emergency is over. And I'll be the one to let them know when that is or whoever else uses that phrase with them now that we've been doing it for so long. Um, so that's the number one thing is that you can't ask questions. You do whatever I tell you, which sounds, it's Makes completely sense. counterintuitive to everything I usually believe as a nanny, but there are times when you need that. Um, so it's come in handy a couple of different times but it helps them know what to expect and that they have a role for a big or a small emergency. It isn't just sitting around and being nervous and waiting for the grownups to tell you what to do. It's me letting them know, hey, something is going on. Here's what you can do to be helpful. And sometimes it's as simple as, you know what, right now I have to figure this out. Please go play. So that can sometimes be their emergency helper job. We were, um, we were at the playground once and I got a phone call that um, my father had passed away. And so I was obviously, you know, heartbroken, but oh, I couldn't, yeah, that's so hard. Like in the, middle I couldn't of stop working. being on the clock either. So I said, right. guys, you know what, right now I'm having a family emergency. I need you guys to be emergency helpers. Please go play and only come to me if you have an emergency and our rules for emergencies. If they're coming to me with an emergency and I say, don't come to me unless you have an emergency, it's bleeding, throwing up or a fire. Those are three that count. So those they are, know those are great. That that's what I mean. <laughs> Right. Like if you are having an argument, you guys need to sort it out or take a break. Don't come to me with that right now. Um, and that gave us that like 20 minute window for their mom to come home, get them from the park. Um, and for me to go on my way and go do everything that I needed to do. And we, I discussed it with them later and answered all of their questions, even though, you know, they were hard and uncomfortable. So it works for something as simple as that when there isn't a clear cut job for them. And it also works if there is something like an earthquake or a flood or a fire or um, a story that I'll get into later. And there's a medical emergency in the household. Um, right. Yes. So, so all of that is kind of where it stemmed from and it's coming useful several times, but most recently um, the post that you're referencing, that was definitely the biggest one. Yeah. Which we, we will talk about. Um, but yes, I love that idea of, that it's not always that the kids are necessarily active. It's that, um, that they can 
help by by taking care of themselves, like by meeting yes. their own needs and right. and understanding that right now it's not like normal care is not happening right now. Right, exactly. And it lets them know that it's also because we talk about it so much and we practice being emergency helpers and discuss different scenarios and stuff like that. It lets them know that the unexpected is normal and emergencies happen and it's okay to, to be scared or feel a little uncomfortable. We have to use our listening ears and listen to what our, I always say you're assigned grown up, so that I'm not saying like parents or something right. like that, but listen to what their assigned grown up is, is telling them and just focusing on, you know, I know that this is my job and I'm going to get some answers later. It's okay for me to not know what's going on right now. Yes. Yes. Cause that, that unknown is it, it can be so, so, so scary, but, yes. but talking about it ahead of time takes away a lot of that fear. I agree. I absolutely think that. Yeah. So how did you come up with, you kind of talked a little bit about how you've talked with your nanny kids about it, but how did you come up with training and I'm putting that in quotes, but, but starting this process of, of helping your nanny kids understand how, how to help in an emergency? So truthfully, um, the, the biggest place where that idea came from is that there were times when there were emergencies in my childhood and I, those scenarios became for lack of a better word, traumatic for me, because I didn't know what to do, didn't know what was going on and was very frightened the whole time. Um, and so I, I don't want that for the children in my care, but those situations happen to everybody and it makes it easier for them to listen to, because when you're, when a child is in a state of panic, we've all seen it. They can't, they can't listen and it isn't their fault. So by making it normal, it makes it not only less scary for them, but also much safer for them and safer for other people involved. Right. Right. I, um, I'm studying to become a family counselor right now. And one of the books that I ended up reading for my education is, is called complex PTSD. And, um, and in it, he talks about, it's written by Pete Walker and in it, he talks about, um, how there's actually four of those F's. So we always think of fight or fight, fight or flight. Um, and now people have started saying fight, flight, or freeze, which I think kids, we see freeze a lot um, definitely in kids, but there's actually a fourth one, which is fawn, um, which is like, being submissive to whoever is in charge. Mm -hmm. Um, and so, whereas in an emergency, that's, that's not necessarily the, the worst thing because you kind of need to go along with whoever's in charge. Exactly. Yeah. But I mention it because if you are working with older children who may have had trauma, I think it's good to know because that fawn response usually comes from the more prolonged childhood traumas. Um, Yes, I agree. And so, yeah, just keeping that in mind, because I, I, we, we don't talk about that one very often. And so if, you know, you notice your nanny kid is, um, submissive when they get overwhelmed, when they try to please you, um, when they feel like they're in trouble and things like that, they might have a fawn response and um, just keeping that in mind for when panic sets in. Right. Right. Exactly. And it's, for me, it's such a tough line to walk because normally I encourage the kids to 
be strong, be independent. Let me know what your ideas are. If you disagree with me about a rule or something in the house, they're welcome to politely talk to me about that and see if we can't reach a compromise because I'm a big believer that if you respect kids and let them know why things are the way they are, it helps them, you know, understand the world better and also be confident enough to stand up for their own ideas, which is what we really want in them as adults. You know, we don't want to raise people who are submissive and listening to every single thing that they're told, but this is a different situation, which is why I wanted that code word and wanted them to know this is when everything changes a little bit. Yes. Yes. I, I appreciate that so much. Um, let's do, let's talk about the, the incident, the, the post that you made. Yeah. Just to, to kind of talk about that so that we can reference back to it throughout it. So So, yeah, um, what happened? So a few weeks ago, I came into work one day and Noodle and Doodle, I want to know, they, they were totally normal by the time I got to work. They were happy. They were playing. They were like rolling around with Barbie cars on the floor in their parents' room like they usually do. But my mm-hmm. mom boss said to me, I'm sure that the kids are going to bring this up to you later. So let me just let you know what happened. And also, I want to really thank you for your emergency helper procedure because I had to use it today. And I was like, oh my goodness, what happened? And it turned out that that morning, um, my dad boss was getting ready to go out for a jog because he leaves for work earlier than, um, than my mom boss does. And my mom boss was taking a shower. The kids were awake playing like they usually do. And um, she started to feel just kind of strange in the shower. She felt herself get dizzy and she started to lose her vision. And so she called out for Noodle because he's seven, he's the oldest. And she, at this point, she's sinking onto the floor in the shower. You know, she's, this is definitely becoming an unexpected situation for sure. She's losing her vision and all that she really had time to get out was Noodle emergency helper, get dad. Um, and then she blacked out. So she is at this point, you know, naked in the shower, passed out on the floor. Had she not had that code word, the kids would have come in and just seen her like that, not known what to do. That would have been really scary and, and made them panic. But instead she gave noodle a job and he heard that emergency helper code word. So he knew what to do. Um, Doodle heard a thud that, so she came running in the room to see what was going on. And Noodle said, we have to be emergency helpers and find dad, but dad had just left for a run. So they actually went to, um, to the front of the house and they were looking out the window and saw him going by and Noodle said, he's too far away. So Doodle ran out on the porch and shouted for him. And of course my girl is loud. (laughs) So he managed to hear her through her AirPods, despite how long their yard is between the house and the, um, and the street that they live on. And he came running in because he saw her outside in her pajamas, like yelling for help, came to see what was going on. And he was able to get my mom boss out of the shower, like dry her off, wrap her up in a robe. And she ended up being totally fine. It was nothing major, a little bit of a blood pressure problem that she's working on. And I did get her permission to share this story before discussing it. Um, But she said, you know, I wouldn't have, she said that not only would the kids not have known what to do, but she also would not have known what to do if I hadn't implemented this procedure with them. She would have just passed out in the shower, not wanting to scare the kids and who knows you know, if the kids would have come in and seen her like that and not known what's going on, then the kids are at an age where they ask about death a lot. So they might've jumped right to worst case scenario. We just, it, instead of it becoming something really scary and traumatic where nobody knew what to do, everybody knew what their job was. Everybody had a role and the kids were like completely unfazed by it. They've hardly 
discussed it. It's not something scary that they feel the need to process or work through. It was just them being helpers for their family. Yes. What, I mean, you know, I, I read the story, but hearing it, what a, what a powerful example of why this is so important to talk about, because you're absolutely right. Like she didn't have time to be like, Hey, I'm feeling dizzy. I exactly go get your dad. Like, yes, that's, that's so wonderful that you, that you had talked through emergency helpers with these kids. And that's why I'm such a big believer in, in preparedness ahead of time and being proactive about as much as we can, the same way that we teach kids, you know, this is your address. This is how you call 911. Here's your first and last name in case there's ever an emergency or something like that. We also have to teach them about, you know, the other stuff that we don't want to think about, um, you know, what to do if, if you can't wake your parent up and because those things can happen when none of us are expecting it. And of course we hope that it won't, but the fact is it happens to some people who are hoping that it won't and thought that it wouldn't be them. And the more prepared that you are for that, the less scary, um, and the safer it is for everybody. Absolutely. Yes. And, and yeah, you're absolutely right about how this could have been such a a traumatic experience, but but because they knew what to do and they just, you know, did their emergency helper jobs, right? um, it ended up being like, by the time you got there, they were fine. Yeah. Yeah. They, um, I mean, they were just completely nonplussed by it. Just having a normal, great morning, playing with their toys. Mom fell down in the shower, but like we helped and she's fine now. No big deal. So we just let them know, you know, great job. You were amazing emergency helpers. And afterward, they were welcome to ask as many questions as they wanted. They asked what happened to mom? Why did she feel that way? They went over all of this with their parents before I got to work. Um, You know, what are we going to do so it doesn't happen again? And, you know, um, their parents reviewed with them. Here's how to call 911. Like, what would we have done if we weren't able to get daddy? But it, um, it all ended up working out really, really well. And it was another chance for us to kind of not only for them to utilize their emergency helper skills, but also to kind of review other things that could have happened and what they would have done in that situation. Right. Yes. And I also feel like it's helping instill in kids the ability to ask for help when they need it. Um, I completely agree. Because I know, at least in, in my experience growing up, I there is this like idea of like, I would rather choke to death than ask for help sometimes. Like, oh, yeah. I don't feel that way anymore. But the comedian Pete Holmes has this joke of like, oh, well, I'll just go quietly choke in the bathroom. I wouldn't want to bother anyone, you know? Yes. Like, and so I feel like by by helping them understand, like there are times that you, you need to be an emergency helper. And there are times that you need to ask other people to be emergency helpers by just opening that conversation. It opens the whole idea that they can, they also can say, I'm having an emergency. I need your help right now. Right. Yeah, I absolutely agree. And, um, you know, we, I sort of touched on this a little bit, but we do, uh, fire drills and we've discussed, you know, there are two close friends of theirs in the neighborhood. And one of them is the house across the street. And one is a few doors down who they, you know, see pretty regularly, um, or at least who they saw pretty regularly pre COVID, but they, um, are, they know that if anything ever happens, they can go to those houses and ask for help as well and say, we're having an emergency. Can you please help us? 
Yes. Yes. And that's great too, to know where to ask for help. Yes. I, after reading your story, I've, I've started to, to do more than I used to do along these lines. Um, but I have always been a really big user of like curiosity questions to help with this. So mm-hmm. I started with some of my older nanny kids, um, when they like, they were around like four and six of asking like kind of silly emergency questions to start it off. So it didn't feel so scary. So I'd be like, what would you do if like, suddenly I got turned into a dog? Yes. Like, what would you do? (laughs) Just like (laughs) asking them, you know, and then they're laughing and joking, but they're also like, uh, we call our mom and dad and I'm like, okay, great. You can't get in touch with them. What do you do now? And, and yeah, so we just kind just of go through these, the yeah, really silly situations. And then that led to more actual situation conversations. So right. what would you do if you saw a fire in your house and things like that? Yes. Um, which, which was great because it, um, it didn't start with the, you know, like worst case scenarios. It helped build yes. their confidence up. Right. We've had, um, we've had a couple of, of minor scenarios similar, similar to that as well. My, um, they had um, a plumbing issue upstairs in the master bathroom uh, oh. a few months ago. And it um, basically the, the plumbing in the bathroom overflowed and we were already, you know, just like, oh gosh, well, that's really no good. And we're trying to get the kids ready for school and everything. And we sent Noodle downstairs to get, I don't know, something or other. And he comes back upstairs and he goes, um, guys, I don't know what my emergency helper job is here, but the ceiling is leaking water downstairs. So we go downstairs and sure enough, there's water pouring through the ceiling, but even stuff like that, like just being able to be like, okay, this is a little unusual and seems like something I should go tell an adult about. It helps with the smaller things and the bigger, more scary things for sure. Yes. Yes. And, and I, I do feel like, yes, just even talking through it takes it out of this big, scary place because anytime we don't talk about something with children, I feel like that's an automatic, like 10 times the fear. (laughs) Absolutely. Um, because they're like, I guess I'm not allowed to talk about that. I guess I'm not allowed right. to ask questions about that. And that our seems... discomfort makes them uncertain. Yeah. They're like the grownups are scared of that. So right. I should be really scared of it. Right. When we're their sense of security. Right. So I, um, I absolutely agree with what you're saying there. And I try to let them know, you know, sometimes I am scared in an emergency and you might be scared too. So you have to make sure that, you know, you are listening to me and that I am listening to you, you know, even if listening to them, is just making sure that I know where they are and what they're doing. It's, um, they know that it's a two-way street and that it's normal to be scared. And I always tell them being brave doesn't mean that you're not scared. It means that you're scared and you do it anyway. You do your best. You listen, you, um, you're doing the right thing, even though you're scared. Yeah. And what a great lesson to teach even beyond emergency situations. Yes. That speech goes, you know, when they're learning to put their heads underwater in swim class and when we're discussing like what to do if the house is on fire, it works both ways. Yeah. Or even like (laughs) being, you know, the bystander, like stepping in with a bully situation, like, Oh, definitely. That also applies there. So yeah, there's just a, a million different ways that. Yeah. I love that connection. Yeah. So is there an age that you think is best to start helping kids understand emergency planning? 
So I'm a big believer that it's never, it's never too early and it's never too late, but at the same time, every kid is different. You know, your child or your nanny children best follow what is age appropriate and developmentally appropriate for them. Right. Um, all of this started because I do, I'm a big believer in, in regular fire drills for families, especially families with children. You know, it's one thing when you're two adults living in a household, but when you're two adults with like two toddlers, it gets a lot trickier to make sure that you, even as adults, that we know how to get the kids out in case right. of an emergency. Um, and my father-in-law was also, he was, um, a, a captain on a, a firefighter team for, for 32 years. So the kids have gotten like VIP tours. We're very like firefighter friendly, Love but, that. um, it kind of stemmed, stemmed from that because in my opinion, I mean, you should be doing that with your family anyway. So that could be even when your child is an infant, just so that we are practicing it as adults for ourselves, what to do. Um, and then from that, you know, because it's normal, I try to do fire drills once a season, like every three to four months so that we know, like if our meeting spot is, um, in summer is inaccessible because it's covered in ice or something like that. We have a backup plan. We've seen it. We're prepared and thought that through. Um, so I think if you're doing it that way, it becomes less scary, more normal. Like we practice for emergencies because they're used to it. And, um, if they've grown up with it, then it's easier to have, have other discussions about emergencies. Cause you can relate it back to the fire drills or any other emergency based on where you live, you know, tornado, hurricane, earthquake drills, whatever. Um, It makes it easier to say, well, we practice this kind of situation. And if they go to a preschool or a public or um, a preschool or a daycare or something like that, as they get older, they'll um, practice fire drills and stuff there too. So being able to bring that home and make it a a family discussion is always great. Yes, very much so. As far Um, as um, calling 911, I try to like, once they have a firm grasp on numbers, I show them, you know, how to call 911 if there's ever an emergency. And I strongly recommend, we don't have landline phones, a lot of us in our homes anymore. So showing your kids, you know, the emergency call section of your phone where they don't have to put in a passcode or swipe or do a thumbprint or anything, even stuff like that. It's important to, to think through and kind of figure that out. And from there we practice address and, you know, phone numbers. Yes. Yes. And you can also, I have found teach very young children their address by putting it to music. We, we yes. all know music helps. Absolutely. But yeah, one of my nanny kids can like sing her whole address and Oh, that's cute. And she's two and but she know like if you ask her where do you live, she will sing her whole address and it's oh. adorable and useful. It's very helpful. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, how often do you drill your kiddos about emergency plans? Um so That's sort of a tricky one to answer because I try to, when I'm starting this discussion and when it's new for them or with a new family, I do it pretty often so that they get used to it. Um, But at this point, my nanny kids are used to it. So we do our regular fire drills. um, And for the most part, other than that, I I guess if I'm putting thought into it, I'd say that probably about the same. I try to review it, you know, once every couple months or so, just because they're pretty well-versed in it at this point. Mm-hmm. But, um, I think when, when you're just starting these discussions, it's okay to do it more than that. Because again, for kids talking about it a lot, doesn't make it scary or make it something they're thinking about all the time. Most of the time, obviously, if your child is getting super anxious about emergencies, think of another way to handle it. 
But um, for, for most kids talking about it more, it might make them curious. They might have a lot of questions, but it's, it's never really too much in my opinion, unless it becomes a fixation. Right. Right. Yeah. And, and tracking that of if, um, if it does become a fixation, then, right. Then asking them questions too, of like, it, it seems like this is really worrying you. Let's talk through it. Um, yes, exactly. Hold yeah, on I always space tell them that, that they can talk through their feelings with, with any of their grownups. Yeah. Yeah. Which is so important, but yeah, I do agree that when you're first starting out, it probably is a good idea to talk to them about, you know, why you're doing this and, um, and to, to do it more often and to really like open the floor for all of those questions. Absolutely. And I, um, I liked what you said too about silly questions and I hadn't thought about it much until you and I were discussing, um, discussing possibly doing this podcast together. And you were telling, asking me about the silly questions that you do with your nanny kids. Um, because my oldest noodle, I, I almost never really start discussions that way, even though I love the idea now that you've, you've talked about it with me, but he does. And so I sometimes kind of segue his into that. Like they watched Jurassic Park recently. And so he would kind of be like, oh, well, you know, a meteor killed the dinosaurs. Like what if a meteor comes and hits us? And I'm like, well, buddy, then we will all be emergency helpers by listening to what, you know, the experts and the government tell us to do to stay safe in that situation. Cause then I would need to be using my listening ears too. What's another emergency that we might have? What's something that might happen at our house that we can talk about? Um, and kind of spiral it like that. So I, even though I'm not usually the one instigating those silly questions, I think it helps with frequency of the discussion when they're the ones bringing it up and we kind of go off of their curiosity and what their thoughts and ideas are. Yes. Yes. Cause you also find those, those worries in there, you know, like, yes, certainly that you wouldn't have found otherwise. Cause who could, who could know? I, I watch a lot of comedians and listen to a lot of comedians. So I reference them, but Patton Oswalt talks about how um, he like showed his daughter when she was pretty young, he showed her a movie that um, he was like, maybe this was too scary. I think it was like nightmare before Christmas or something like that. Mm-hmm. And, um, and he was like, I guess it was, she, it was too young. Cause she was like struggling to go to sleep, all this stuff. And yes. um and it, it was, once he got to the bottom of it, it was actually like an educational science show about bones. And she was like, we all have skeletons inside of us. Oh like, my gosh. That's so funny. Noodle went through the same thing when he was about three years old. He, <sighs> skeletons became his worst fear for a while. It's like, yeah, that's inside you all the time. Sorry, friend. Like, yeah. <laughs> otherwise, you would be a blob. Right, um, exactly. And making it silly like that is what we did for him too. That kind of helped him calm down about it eventually. Yeah, yeah, but it is. I mean, realizing that there is a skeleton inside of you is a terrifying thought. Right. Just all the time. <laughs> yeah, just all the time. We all have skeletons literally in our bodies. So, um, so yeah, I think also those silly questions or talking through emergency situations or, or asking them to give, you know, you situations can really give you insight into what their fears are. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. It can. And it's sometimes they come from places that might seem silly to it, to us as adults. Um, and you know, we might need to shut the door after that conversation and have our own like 
you know, laugh about it when they're out of sight and can't hear us. But um, I, I think that making it valid and acceptable for them to talk about it is, is really important. And it helps them know that, you know, it's like we said earlier, it's okay to be scared. It's okay for these feelings to come up and for us to talk about them or ask for help. It all kind of ties together. For sure. For sure. And I also think that these, these conversations also teach problem solving. Yes, absolutely. Because in those moments, they are, they're having to problem solve. And when you do it outside of the actual emergency, when your brains can rationalize and you're not, you know, your lid isn't flipped and things, um, you can, you can really come up with some creative problem solving ideas. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. We talk about being problem solvers a lot with the kids and that applies to, um, stuff like, sharing the scissors or the glue when they're doing a craft and there's only one of whatever they want, but it also applies to figuring out what to do if something unexpected happens. And we, um, it's again, we normalize it for the big and the small, praise them equally for both and let them know that, you know, it's important to be a good problem solver and to think things through. You're doing great. Yeah. Yeah. What other skills have you found that teaching these emergency situations, emergency helpers has helped teaching. Um, well, it's funny that you said problem solving. Cause that's actually, that's my first one. I think problem solving is a huge one because yes. if we, like you said, if we talk about these situations, what would you do if X, Y, or Z, it helps them really think it through and you can say, okay, good idea. But what if this and sort of narrow it down and help them not only know what to do, but also know how to think through that way themselves in the future. Um, you know, what would you do if there was a bully at school? Oh, I would, I would stay away from the bully. Okay. Really good plan. What if that bully was like being really unkind to you or one of your friends, what could you say? And it helps them think through scenarios, solve those problems, and also gain a lot of confidence and independence because they know what to do and know that they can trust themselves and trust their adults when they're able to come talk to their adults about it. Yes. And of course, following direction. Mm -hmm. Following direction is definitely a big one. And I try to, um, in general, I try to walk a fine line between following direction and independence. And when it comes to, when I say emergency helper, it's a hundred percent follow direction and we will talk it through later. Um, which is again, totally different from my usual style. Right. But it, um, you know, it works really well and helps them know that there are times when we have to just do what's right and listen and, and we'll discuss it later. So it works on, on a lot of different levels, I think. Yeah. And I, I agree with you that I think that you have to have that open invitation for distilling it later for, yes. and, and the deposits into their um, emotional banks, right? Mm-hmm. That you, you do listen to them. You are an open place to hold space for their fears and all of that. Um, I think that by putting all of those deposits, you know, in their bank, that when you, when there is an emergency, there's, there's room to make a giant withdrawal of like, I can't explain this to you right now. I need your help. Yes, exactly. Um, and I think, uh, going back to the situation that I mentioned earlier, when I was on the clock with the kids at the park and got a call that my, my dad had passed away. I definitely was not in the space to be able to talk about it then. 
Um, I mean, I don't hide my emotions from the kids. I was crying. They knew that something was wrong, but I told them I would tell them about it later. Their parents let them know, you know, it was a, their parents were very generous and gave me a a good amount of time off before I came back to work. Um, But when I came back, you know, even though their parents had briefed them on it a little bit, they had a lot, a lot of follow-up questions for me that were, um, that were hard and that made me uncomfortable and made me a little sad. And I still, you know, wanted to be honest with them. And I told them both, you know, how I felt about it and also the true answers, you know, what happened to your dad? Um, Why did he die? Um, stuff like, where is he now? Are you okay? And, and it was, it was hard questions, but I told them the truth. And now, I mean, they've had a couple other small run-ins with death, but um, that was, I think the closest that they've ever seen somebody, you know, going through it the way I was in that moment. And it made it a little bit less scary for them that they saw me. Yes, I'm sad. Yes, I'm upset, but I'm also going to be okay. And they still ask me questions about him sometimes. Um, but I think just, you know, normalizing that, normalizing the feelings makes it, um, makes them more emotionally capable and confident. And like you said, the emergency helper thing lets them know it's okay to ask for help and it's okay to ask for space. Sometimes being an emergency helper is saying, you know what, I really need you guys to go just do literally whatever you want right now so that I can handle this. And, um, that lets them know that, you know what, sometimes I need time alone and it's okay for me to ask people to give that to me. Yes. Which is so important. And I don't think gets prioritized enough. (laughs) Yeah, definitely. And I mean, we do that a lot when they're upset and stuff outside of big emergency situations, but it's just another one of the ways that it ties in. Right. Right. Um, and also for listeners who, um, heard you just talking about when, when you got that call and your dad had passed away. I, I would recommend a few episodes back. We had a, I had an episode about grief. And so, and we talk about that specifically of like, if the nanny is grieving. So I, I love what you said, Bridget. And if anyone is listening and they're like, I love that too. I want more of that conversation. Go back a few episodes grief is there for you. Um, I haven't heard that one yet. I might have to check it out. Yeah, it was, it was last week from when we're recording, but when this comes (laughs) out, it'll be a while back. Sure. Yeah. So, um, I just wanted to say that because, you know, as the world is grieving right now, I think that that's gonna, those talks are going to be a lot. Um, yes. Oh yeah. Um, Wonderful. Yeah. So we've talked a little bit about balancing, like making sure that kids are prepared, but also not like scaring the bejesus out of them. So like, exactly. How do you balance that? Um, when you, when you start talking to them about this? Yeah. I mean, like we said, mostly just letting them know that, that these things happen and, um, you know, the better, the more you listen and follow direction, the sooner that it will be okay and we'll be able to talk it through right. um, is, is definitely a big one. Normalizing fear in general. I am, I'm, a, I'm a big advocate for normalizing quote unquote negative emotions, but the stuff that makes us uncomfortable, basically sadness, grief, fear, anxiety, all of that. Normalizing that for kids lets them know that those feelings do happen and it's normal and okay. And instead of pushing that aside, we can process it, live with it for a little bit, and then move on when we're ready. 
So it sort of ties in a lot, the emergency helper situation with, with that for me, because it's really, it's not so much about not being scared. Like we said, as long as they're not becoming completely fixated on something, but it's about being, letting them know that it's okay to be scared. Listen to directions. You are doing a great job and we're going to talk about it later. Your grown up is here to keep you safe. Trust us. Yes. Yes. I completely agree. And I do think that, you know, what we said earlier about it's actually a lot more scary if you don't talk about it. Yeah, definitely. Like if they didn't know about the emergency helper situation, they had just found their mom passed out in the shower. I mean, that would have been really scary. And kids don't know to check breathing or check for a pulse. Like they would have just seen an unconscious person and, and feared the worst. Um, so we, we skipped over like, you know, a couple years in therapy down the line just by being ready for this ahead of time. Yes. That is, that's such a good point. And, and yeah, I, I just, I, I think that that story is, is such a powerful example of why, (laughs) why you should do this. And I, I think you can even like say to your nanny kids, like I heard this podcast and it, it made me think that we should start doing this. Like if this isn't something that's in your nanny day, um, I would say to, um, probably start with like one thing and then add another thing. I think if you are like, I would absolutely not be like, well, (laughs) kids, there could be about 50 different natural disasters or like a robbery or something at some point. So let's just prep for all of that. I would not do it that way, but brainstorming one or two events that even start with something they're nervous about. Say, you know, do you ever get scared that something will happen? Tell me about that. What could we do? Right. Yes. And so I just wanted to put that little disclaimer on there of like, if you're listening to this, please don't like go in the direction of, well, now my whole nanny day every day will be right planning (laughs) around this. Exactly. um, Yes. I also, I tell the kids, you know, listen to your grown up and, and breathe is, is so important. And so I think that just that not only, again, not just for emergencies, but for many, many different situations that could be difficult. It just um, makes it easier when they know that sometimes we're going to feel uncomfortable or scared or nervous, and we can feel that way and keep going. Yes. Yes. And that um, keep going is so, so important. Um, Wonderful. Well, is there anything else that you would like to talk about? Anything that you feel like we didn't get to cover? Not especially. I think um, just remembering, even if your kids are, you know, if they're preteens or very young, it's it's never too early or too late to start. Definitely get your nanny family on the same page as you. Um, encouraging discussion, not just about emergencies, but about anything with our nanny kids is always huge because in my opinion, the more that they can trust me with the everyday stuff, the easier it is for them to trust me with the big stuff. So um, just validating their feelings and fears day to day, encouraging discussion, even about very, very silly things Um, and, and answering those hard, uncomfortable questions, kind of like we talked about earlier. Sometimes I have to say, you know what, I don't have an answer for that yet. Let me think about it and get back to you so that I can, you know, make it age appropriate, make it honest, but not scary. Um, but I have to follow up on that. They have to know that they can trust me to really come back to them with that information. 
Yes. And actually the, the silly situation that I was talking about before of like, what would happen if I got turned into a dog came from, we watched um, the emperor's new groove. Oh yes. I love that one. Yes. It's so good. And she like has all those potions that turn Mm -hmm. people into different animals. Yes. And and we were quoting the, I'm a cow. Can I go home? (laughs) (laughs) And so I was like, you know, what would happen if I drank one of those potions and got turned into a cow? (laughs) Yes. And that's the kind of thing that Noodle asks all the time. He'd be like, well, what if I was a bear? And my answers are always stuff like, well, buddy, then I'd have to come visit you in your bear cave because I would love you no matter what. And he was like, okay, well, you know, I'd eat other people, but I wouldn't eat you. So we, um, you know, we kind of play off of that silliness and also just validate like the security and the love and the safety and the trust. Yes. Yes. And I love that message because you're, you're getting in a, it doesn't matter who who you are um, message there, which is uh, lovely because, you know, in, in real life, it, it might not be a bear, but it might be, you know, something unexpected, part of the LGBTQ community or, all of right. that stuff or converting to saying, a different like, religion from everybody else in your family. I mean, yeah. there's, there's a hundred things that could, could change. And we want them to know that we're on their side always. Yes. Love that. Well, thank you so much for talking to us about that. I, I really hadn't thought about it in the way that, that you've talked about it. And I, I appreciate you sharing that story and just your methodology around teaching this. <laughs> Thank you so much. I always, um, I always joke, this comes into play with stuff like emergencies and, you know, thinking of worst case scenarios. And also I just got married and it came up a lot with wedding planning. I'm a very anxious person. Mm -hmm. Um, and so I tend to think of a lot of things that can go wrong anyway. And I try to utilize that and make it into knowing what to do in those situations or having a backup plan. Um, and it, it's worked out very well because I, you know, when I was starting out as a nanny, I didn't know what I would do with the kids in those situations. So, yeah. so making it more normal for me and more normal for them and eventually more normal for their parents ended up helping all of us out a lot. And I'm really, I'm glad that you reached out to me and that other people can, can benefit from this. Cause I think a lot of us don't think of it and also don't like to think of it. So, so making it a little more normal for them and for us is beneficial for everybody. Yes, totally agree. Um, Well, we end each episode with a fun, cute story. And Bridget has gone above and beyond and brought two. (laughs) Well, um, I originally came with just one, but you were talking about how how your nanny kid was going through that whole thing with skeletons. And it's so funny because Noodle, when I first started around age, he was three when I started with them full time, even though I had known him since he was nine months. And he was just absolutely petrified of skeletons, just absolutely terrified to the point where his parents like warned me before Halloween. They were like, look, we really can't take him in a lot of stores of Halloween decorations. Like the skeleton thing really, really wigs him out. So we ended up, um, it would just absolutely, like we would go in a store and if there was like a skeleton decoration, even the cheerful cartoony ones, he would start crying. He would say he doesn't want to have a skeleton, that he was scared of the skeleton inside him, which is like, if you think about it at three years old, that's a, 
that's a confusing thing to feel that there's a skeleton that you're afraid of and it's inside you and you can't get away from it. I mean, we really felt bad for him. So we ended up getting him. um, We went to the library and checked out like kid friendly books about our bodies and how they work and just spent some time kind of letting him warm up to that in his own right. And he got really into um, organs first, actually, like he likes learning about what our heart does and our brain and our lungs and stuff like that. And from there, he eventually warmed up to skeletons. But um, the year before last, he ended up being a skeleton for Christmas. And I have a video now of him on my phone. He asked me to do like very scary skull makeup for him. So I did my best and put, you know, like cracks and blood and made it spooky. And I have a video of him in his cute little costume with his like weirdly scary makeup going bones, 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 like doing a little dance. So it's, um, it's just funny how that segued into now, like skeletons are one of his favorite things, but he was terrified of them for so long. Yes. But I, I, I think that that's such a a good example of like, I, I always, and I, I try to instill this in my nanny kids too. If, if I'm scared of something, like when I moved to Chicago, I was really scared of doing improv. I had been mm-hmm. an actor for years and years, but I was scared of doing improv. And I was like, well, if I'm scared of it, it means I, I, I got to learn more about it. You know? Like, yeah, like, absolutely. The only, way, the only way through is through. And um, yes, I agree. And so that's, that's a great example of with kids, like if they're scared of something, I think learning more about it really honestly is, is the best way to help them with those fears. Yeah. Yeah. I absolutely agree. Um, on a, on a related note to fear, um, several years ago, my youngest doodle, let's see, she must've been two or maybe just barely three at the time. And she was, um, yeah, I had been with my then boyfriend. Now he's my husband, but we had been together for a while. And so I talked with my nanny family about it. And once in a while, if the kids and I were going out, he would tag along if he wasn't working. So um, Doodle and I were at the mall one day and they have this big indoor play space. So Rick, um, now my husband, then my boyfriend came along to, you know, hang out with the kids, be playful, get to know them. Uh, Noodle was in school actually. So it was just Doodle and they have the play structure at the mall has this kind of like bridge contraption that you can hide underneath. And one of her favorite games back then was she would hide underneath and I would pretend like I didn't know where she was. And then we'd say peekaboo and, you know, stick my head in and she would just like belly laugh like that deep that little kids do. That's so cute. Um, and it was my absolute favorite and I'd crawl in there and give her tickles. And so Rick thought that he would be like the cute, um, the cute nanny boyfriend and would go surprise her instead and do peekaboo and thought that she would be so excited. And she just started sobbing. She was so terrified that it was his face that did the peekaboo instead of mine. And he felt so guilty about it for the longest time. Every time I mentioned her, he would just be like, man, I really feel so horrible that I scared her so badly that time. But as it turned out, both kids became absolutely obsessed with him. They think that he's the best. And they were actually, um, our niece was one of our flower girls, but the kids were also flower girl and ring bearer at our wedding last month. Um, and they love any time that they get to see him now, but it was just that, that moment. I still see it so clearly in my head of her thinking it was going to be me. And then seeing like this bearded man instead, she was just so frightened. <laughs> and now she's absolutely obsessed with him. Like thinks he's the best. They ask me all the time why he can't come hang out with us more. Yes. I love that so much. Um, Taryn, who has been on the podcast before and is in a play group, is like, 
gosh, my nanny kids love my, now it's her husband, but at the time boyfriend, they're like, she was like, they love Mike way more than they love me. This is gosh, this it's the same thing. They are both obsessed with Rick think that he's the best. Um, and he likes trains. So of course, Noodle gets really excited that somebody else is into trains like he is. Um, and they always tell me before they see him, like all these things that they want to ask him about, like Transformers or Pokemon or Star Wars or trains. And then they see him and they're just so excited that it's like, they can't even talk. They just go, hi. And then just like stare at him, like with adoration in their faces. Guys, oh. <laughs> like, you can talk to him. It's okay. But they're both just absolutely obsessed now. Love that. Well, thank you. Thank you for sharing those stories. Those were both wonderful. Of course. And thank you so much for having me here and, um, you know, letting me talk about this a little bit, um, helping kids just, just be prepared for life and be confident, strong and independent, but also, you know, problem solvers and knowing what to do is, is so, so important to me. And it's, it's a big part of my, my passion behind what I do is just helping kids be confident, following their dreams, independent. And I think that this, even though it's counterintuitive because it is so much following direction, I think that this is a really, really big part of those building blocks at a young age. I, I agree so much. And just during this interview, you just sound like such a wonderful nanny and those kids and and your future kids that you'll be with are, are so lucky to have you. Thank you so much. I, um, I'm very lucky and I, I love my job very much. I tell the kids all the time. I know a lot of nannies, like don't tell their kids that it's their job, but mine know that it's my job because I want them to know that they can be nannies one day if they want, you know, they can have a great job where they come to work and color and play and have fun with kids and teach them cool stuff and do science, um, and go for walks and nature and stuff like that. I want them to know that like, this is a great career choice for them too, if they want it. So I tell them all the time that I have the best job in the world and I'm so lucky and that I got a promotion when I got hired with them. Oh, I love that. Well, thank you so much, Bridget. And, um, and I, I really appreciate you taking time to go over all this with us. Absolutely, Martha. Thank you so much for having me. And thank you all for listening. We'll see you next week. Bye. I love providing Chronicles of Nania to you at no cost. So if you love this podcast, please consider donating by clicking the support the show link in the show notes. I also totally understand if a donation isn't the way you can show your support right now. Another excellent way to support the podcast is to rate and review on Apple Podcasts. Those ratings help other nannies and caregivers around the world find Chronicles of Nannia. Also, if you love the show, tell your friends. Word of mouth is so helpful to get the word out about the podcast. And truly, thank you for listening. It really means the world to me. The Chronicles of Nannia is produced and hosted by Martha Tyler. Artwork by Noni Blastodon. Theme music by Brad Kemp. Find him at secondbedroomstudios.com. Follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Chronicles of Nania and on Twitter at Nania Podcast. To contact us, email chroniclesofnania at gmail.com. Thanks for listening. This show has been brought to you by Machine Culture. sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. 
That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.